Welcome to the first we'll be all right. total mess of a podcast in Black Swarm Podcast history with your host, Dan Studer. Perfect timing. It's McKinley Week. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. McKinley Week. Heavy back squats and beating the living tar out of any bulldog that you see west side of Kmart. Don't come over here and get you some. Tigers are ready to rock. I think we just found our code open. There you go. <laughs> Shut up and sit down. And welcome to the last Beat McKinley edition of the Black Swarm Podcast. Hank Piper here with Rob Antonell. And tonight we have a very special guest, strength and conditioning coach, Dan Studer. How you guys doing? Good, good. Um, I'll tell you how I'm doing. I am in Maslin, Ohio for the first time in a long time. I'm living here. I got the best job I could ask for. The Tigers are 9-0. The Steve Studer Strength and Conditioning Center is looking the best it has since 2004. And it's McKinley League. So if you show me... Some son of a bitch that tells me he's happier than me. I'm going to show you a liar. It's go time, baby. Well, you said you are going to be electric. <laughs> <laughs> and you're bringing the electricity. I love it. Hey, it's McKinley Week. I mean, there ain't nothing better. You know, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Uh, you know, it's been 18 years since I've been on a competitive field with uh, Canton McKinley. And, you know, so these kids that I'm coaching up now, the kids that are ready to, you know, we're getting ready to play on Saturday. You know, those guys were maybe not born, maybe one years old. Um, so it's been a long time coming, and I'm I'm pretty fired up. So it's great. Things are good. Yeah, so, I mean, I, with that, you know, we can just jump right into it. Uh, I mean, since you already kind of segue right into it, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about your football career, you know, as an athlete, as a coach. Uh, you know, where did you start and what was the path to getting here tonight? Well, you know, obviously I'm a Maslin guy, uh, born and raised here, grew up with the Maslin Tigers. Uh, Dad was, you know, the audience we're talking to probably already knows, but uh, Dad was strength conditioning coach at Maslin, so I grew up. Um, around all that sort of stuff. So there really wasn't any question what I wanted to do. Uh, I always wanted to be like Dad. He was doing this stuff, stuff that I'm fortunate enough to do now since I was four or five years old, uh, training people like that. So grew up in Maslin Tiger, played for the Tigers, uh, played middle linebacker all through high school, ended up being co-captain of the 99 team. We went 10-0. Beat McKinley 35-7. to uh, Didn't have a very good run in the playoffs. Lost to Perry, unfortunately, first round. Still a little bitter about it. Uh, went on to play college ball at Northern Michigan University. Played there for four, you know, four or five years. Had a, had, a, had a redshirt freshman year. Had an injury redshirt year. Gray shirt, whatever they call it. GA'd there for a year. Um, did a little bit of strength conditioning at that level. 
graduated and moved back to Ohio. Got a job with Coach B.J. Payne his first year as a head coach at Lexington, Ohio. Uh, and spent the next 12 years there. Got to uh, coach with a lot of Maslin guys, though. That was one thing that was, well, not the one thing, but one of the one things that was great about working for BJ was he was really good about hiring coaches. And I found through my experience that uh, one of the, I feel, one of the better attributes of a really good head coach is his ability to get great assistance. Um, and BJ was really good at doing that. So I coached down there with Coach Dickerhoof, who uh, helps with our offensive line. Uh, Coach Jarvis, obviously, who coaches our corners now. Um, Ex-Tiger coach Bedry Bartowell, who unfortunately is a part of a program that we will not mention unless needed. Um, but a great coach, nonetheless, one of my great friends. Um, and uh, had a great experience down there. You know, it was always wanted to be back home always wanted to be a strength coach um you know loved coaching football and when i was there i coached linebackers for most of my time there was a head coach for two years found out really quick that i didn't like that uh that was a little too political for my liking um but really you know the common theme all through all, common theme all throughout that was I wanted to be a strength coach and the, and one of the reasons why I'm really glad that I got down to Lexington was because it it was a good opportunity for me to kind of tone my skills when I um first graduated college I thought I was ready to come back and be the strength coach for the Maslin Tigers but I was not ready to be the strength coach for the Maslin Tigers so I was able to spend a lot of time studying learning the things that I needed to learn um, there's a lot going on underneath the initial you know which what you see in the weight room just knowledge wise and how you want to approach things with programming and that sort of stuff with strength conditioning and I needed to take a lot of time to figure that stuff out so I had a bunch of time to do it, um, learned a bunch, got a master's degree in exercise science and that sort of stuff, um, and just a lot of good time in the weight room training kids in an environment where kids really weren't um, as motivated as masculine kids were to be in the weight room and to do things the right way. So I, th I really think that that was a challenge that paid off in the long run. Uh, because we really turned that program around to a successful winning program down there. But anyway, so uh, after you know, for the last five or six years, it really became apparent to me that I was I needed to get home. Um, and a couple things that happened family wise where I really kind of thought, hey, you know, the clock's ticking. Not that I'm old or anything, but. I really want to get back to where I need to be. And uh, fortunately enough, Coach Moore was um, able to get me on board this year. Uh, and it's something that he's been working for actually since he got here, uh, trying to make this work out um, both on his end and on my end. Uh, but we made it happen, and I've been here since this summer, and it's been amazing. It's been everything I hoped it would be. And uh, it's just great, man. It's just great to be home. Yeah, and it's uh, great to have you home. Um, now, like you said, you came here in the summer, you know, after the strength and conditioning program is 
more or less wrapped up and you're kind of more working towards the season getting in season ready was there a challenge in that coming here during that kind of you know halfway point uh, surprisingly not um the nice part about coming here was they already had a pretty solid um strength and conditioning uh, program in place uh, J.P. Simon, Terrence Roddy, Rob Oviat, both had, I mean, we've got multiple strength coaches on staff. Um, I did a little bit of communication with them over, I'd say, the last two years on some things. Um, just minute programming details and that sort of stuff. Um, but those guys know what they're doing. I mean, they're not, you know, by any means, you know, they're great. They're, they're great strength coaches, uh, and they were getting after it. I mean, that shows our kids are strong. So walking in, I mean, our kids were strong. Our kids were in great shape. Uh, so it wasn't like I was coming in trying to fix stuff at all. You know, I came in, made a little minor, a couple minor tweaks to our workouts um, late in the summer, um, mostly just in tempo. And, and how we were attacking some things and being a little bit more efficient in and out of the weight room. Um, but in terms of what we were doing and how we were doing it, I mean, those guys are on point. Those guys know their stuff. Uh, and like I said, our kids were strong. Our kids were in great shape. And, it, it, you know, it carried over. I mean, we haven't ran a conditioning sprint. We haven't done any type of conditioning since probably week two. And that's the way I like to do it because if our kids are in shape and our kids practice hard like our kids practice hard, then running conditioning is just beating a dead horse. Um, and I think that's proven time and time and again, you know, with the way we've, paid, we've played throughout our season, we don't lose the fourth quarter. I mean, I'll take our team in the fourth quarter against anybody in the state right now. Or anybody out of this state, for that matter, we've proven that too. Um, and you know, in our toughest game when we played Saint or uh, East St. Louis, that showed. You know, obviously that was a fantastic football team that came in here and gave us a great challenge, and those guys were loaded up. Uh, but you saw, you know, we were chipping away, we were chipping away, and that fourth quarter. They started turning around. You can see their body, you know, their body language just kind of shift a little bit because they knew, oh, them Tigers are going to keep coming at you. And that's and, and and that was a testament to, you know, like I said, our off-season program and the conditioning that we did, you know, up, really up until I got here. Um, so when I got in here, I didn't want to change a bunch. And I, and, and, uh, I didn't want to mess with it because I knew that we were on the right track and I knew those guys were doing the right things. So we just kind of kept coasting through. I made a couple of minute changes and it was really just more of a, man a management thing. Um, things that I'm kind of picky about uh, on a personal level. But uh, yeah, it was a pretty smooth transition. And it, it, it helps when, when you're working with your best friends. You know, it's a lot easier to make those changes when you're working with a bunch of good guys that are on the same level as you. So it's been great. Yeah, I mean, you can definitely tell, you know, 
in the last couple of years, you know, it seems like our strength and conditioning has, you know, really changed. You know, it's completely different than, you know, when we played Hank. Uh, I mean, it shows, you know, at the lift of thon every year, you know, some of these kids are putting up insane numbers, you know, things we never saw uh, when we played. Uh, so you're definitely doing something right. You know, like you said, it shows in the fourth quarter. Kids are doing great, really pounding on the other team. Uh, so one of the other things that really got revamped this year uh, was the new equipment in the weight room. Uh, so besides just being new, you know, what kind of things changed from the old layout to the new layout? Um, you know, I, luckily, uh, you know, like I said, over the past two years, I've been kind of trying to be more involved from a distance with the program, with the strength and conditioning. And um, so, and we kind of all saw the writing on the wall with me coming back in the next year or two. I don't think any of us really thought it was going to be coming this year. Um, we all thought next year was going to be the year. Some things happened. Obviously, we got a new superintendent and some some positions opened up and things shifted around that I was able to get back. Uh, so it was kind of a surprise. It was kind of late in the game. Um, but, uh, you know, Coach Moore had the foresight of that coming on, so he was able to get a hold of me when they were ordering all the new weight room equipment. Uh, equipment. So I was able to come in and kind of have a, I don't want to say I had a say in it, but but we talked a bunch about what we wanted and what we needed. Um, and, you know, the, in terms of what the equipment that we got, you know, the equipment is pretty much the same. Um, you know, I can't think of anything that we really got minus a couple neck attachments um, that are kind of new and up and coming that we're gonna that we haven't even used yet because we're waiting for the off season. But outside of that, I mean, all the equipment's the same. Now, what we did change up a bit is how the weight room is organized and where the equipment is. Um, I'm not a fan of how it looked before. Now, when when you're doing that sort of thing, you got to pick and choose. Do you want something that's going to be able to essentially the old weight room was able to uh, have a lot more kids in it working out at one time I think we had 20 squat racks before mm -hmm. now we're down to 15 but the reason why I didn't like the old way and the reason why I sacrificed squat five squat racks which was not an easy decision because I would I love the more squat racks the better um, but the reason why we sacrificed that is because the way that the weight room was before is I couldn't see a guy squatting on one corner of the room if I'm on the other corner of the room. So I don't know what they're doing. And I don't know if their form's right. And I don't know if they're, I don't, I don't know what they're doing. Um, and I'm a big proponent of when I'm running a weight room, I want to be able to see anybody at any point in time for multiple reasons. You know, for safety being the one, um, proper technique being two. And. I don't want anybody to be able to hide from me, okay? And we got the great, we got the best program in the in the country with probably the best kids in the country. Our kids love working out, and our kids kids life love getting after it. But with that being said, there's still one or two kids in there. They're trying to skip a set on squats, because um, when you're doing set, when you're doing sets of ten in the squat rack, 
it hurts and it's painful and people want to get you know people are going to try and hide shy away from that uh so i got to be able to see you all the time so that was that was really the deciding factor on do we want do we want to stay with the same format with the two rows of squat racks kind of going down the middle of the weight room and there's a lot of places where you can kind of hide or 15 squat racks where all the squat racks are around the outside perimeter of the weight room and i can see you at any at any given point in time um so we cut that back so i had to be a little bit more creative um when I was designing our workouts, I have to be able to alternate exercises back and forth for different groups. Um, that was one of the, you know, one of the changes that we made when I came in because we really didn't. I mean, I, I got the job. I'd ordered the equipment, and we had decided what we were going to get, but we didn't get that until after I got hired. So we actually, you know, designed and ordered the weight room before I got the job, and then afterwards, it got in. So then we had to implement. So we, we made some changes there. Um, which is fine and it's great and our weight room's amazing and uh, you know shout out to the Board of Education and uh, Superintendent Paul Salvino for uh, supporting us in that and that's not just football I mean that's all athletics I mean this thing if you haven't seen the weight room yet try and organize this where you can go see it because it's it's a thing of beauty and I'm a little biased obviously <laughs> Is it, uh, it, but. is it going to be open during the open house this week? Uh, good question. I don't know. Hmm. I feel like that's something you know we should open up. But I will I will be at open house. Right. So if you want to see the weight room, just go to the Dean of Students. Uh, go up the atrium, take a left. I will be in there, hard left, Dean of Students, big sign up. Well, probably can't see the sign now because there's <laughs> Beat McKinley stuff everywhere, which is also awesome. Thank you to our advisory committees and cheerleaders and everybody else that did that. Our guy, they love it. So great. But anyway, yeah, I'd be more than happy to show anybody who wants to see that weight room. Uh, show it to Open House. I'll take you down there. I'll show it. It's great. It's good stuff. Yeah, so, you know, my dad always talks about, you know, um, him and Stu going down to Slop Acres. You, your dad, Stu, Coach Stu, Steve Studer. Mm-hmm. And um, he always talked about how he how Stu would have to actually get the kids like individually their weights ready for the week or for the month or for whatever program they were getting into. Uh, how in depth do you get like with each individual kid? Uh, every, every kid that comes through our weight room. Well, right now I'm specifically football. We're, I'm, 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 I'm figuring out how much I can play with, the multiple sports ideally i'd like to do every athlete that comes through the weight room but um right now i'm just doing football but every kid that i train every football player that comes in um i monitor and prescribe every weight that they lift um you know there's really only a few ways that you can uh, monitor intensity uh, in the weight room. And obviously one of the ways is the the weight that you're lifting. Um, Another way is the, the reps that you're lifting the weight that you're lifting. 
And then probably the last way is the um, amount of time that you have to lift and the amount of rest, the, the time of rest that you have in between sets. And I try to monitor each one. Um, I'm very specific in how I prescribe our workouts and our sets and how we do it. Now, it, it changes throughout the year, but um, for any given point in time in the season, I have an exact weight that I want each kid to lift. I have an exact amount of reps that I want them to achieve. And I have an exact amount of time that I want them to do it in. And the more in tune that I can get that, the less conditioning, you know, traditional conditioning that we have to do, meaning doing sprints and sort like and stuff like that. I don't want to run just to run. That's silly. It's ridiculous in terms of it, it's probably going to ruin your sprint form and it's redundant and it's hard on your body. So I try to do as much conditioning as possible in the weight room by lifting heavy weights for a given amount of reps in a certain amount of time. By the time we get to spring, by the time we get to early summer, our conditioning base should already be set, especially with the kids that I've been with for an entire off-season by the way that we lift and how we do it. Um, so, you know, I, I like I said, I, I prescribe every weight and I go a little a step further than most coaches do, um, at least at the high school level, and I monitor how much time we have in between sets and, and how long it takes to do it. And it, it pays dividends. You know, you don't have to do a ton of sprints if you're used to doing sets of 10 as heavy as you can do it for multiple sets. If anybody's ever done that, you know how bad it sucks. I mean, if you really do a 10 rep max back squat, you're in a world of hurt. Now, you might be doing back squats for sets of 10, but if there isn't an eyeball about to pop out of your head and you're not about to, you know, defecate in your pants, then you ain't doing it right. So, I, ju I you know, I see what they can do. I learn what they can do with good form and do it safely. And then I make sure they're doing it. And then we, we, we knock that out. So we spend a lot of time doing that and monitoring it and making sure. And also you got to make sure, you know, as a strength coach, you got to make sure that everybody's progressing. Because it's one thing just to say, oh, keep going up and wait, keep going up and wait. But if their form drops off or if they're getting broke at rep five or six and you're trying to get ten or you start seeing their strength plateau a little bit over time, then you're not doing something right. So we, I, I monitor all that stuff with all our kids, and I keep charts and that sort of stuff to make sure we're progressing the way that we want to progress. And you know, and we lift often, and we lift heavy, and we're still lifting. I mean, it's week ten, and we squatted heavy, and we benched heavy, and we were lifting Thursdays before a game up through week five. And that's because we have the mentality going into this season that we're trying to play a 15-week season. Well, if you stop lifting heavy in your squat and your bench and you're clean in two-a-days and you're expecting to be as strong as you can be week 15, eh, good luck. 
Uh, it ain't happening. So I took it on the perspective of, hey, and you know, Coach Moore was 100% on board with this. We're going to lift on Thursdays through the first five weeks like that's a preseason. And then we're done with that, and now we got a 10-game season left. And then we start tailoring back, and I start, I start cutting back on exercises, um, not so much on weight. We're keeping that intensity up. Um, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna lift straight through week thirteen, week fourteen, going heavy, um, with the idea that we're gonna play a fifteen-week season. And when we get to week fifteen, uh, you know, if we're fortunate enough to get there, we're gonna be the strongest team on the field, and we're gonna win the fourth quarter. And that's a, that's the other aspect of it. You have got to win the fourth quarter. Doesn't do you any good to beat up on a team for three quarters and then lose in the fourth quarter. You know, we're going to be in shape and we're going to be strong. And we're going to dominate in the fourth quarter. We've done that so far this year. Um, so hopefully that continues. But that's, that's that's one of the main driving themes of our strength and conditioning program. Outlast the opponent, be stronger, be faster, be more explosive than them, but more potentially more importantly, dominate in the fourth quarter. And we've done that so far, so hopefully that keeps going. So as a strength coach, this is probably a question you hear, you know, fairly often. Um, now, I remember back when we played, uh, you know, we were never recommended to take anything, you know, any supplements, but we were informed, you know, if you are going to take something, make sure it, you know, it fits this criteria. Uh, is there anything that you recommend uh, kids take or at the high school level? Is it, you know, maybe still a little too young to be doing that? Uh, well, I mean, to kind of preface supplements, if your diet's not right, I mean, if you're not eating the right things, um, it doesn't matter what you're taking, you know, outside of something illegal. But even then, you're, if, if, you're not, if, if you're out eating McDonald's and unfortunately Krause's Pizza you know, every night of the week. And trust me, I love Cross's Pieces just as much as every other true-blooded Maslin Tiger. Uh, if you're eating that stuff all the time, ain't no supplement gonna, gonna get you over the hump. Now, if you're eating good, solid animal protein, beef, chicken, fish, if you're eating whole foods, good foods, uh, fruits and vegetables, um, things that are not highly processed, uh, that's going to take you a long, long way. I mean, you're, you you would be shocked what that would do to you. Just because of the uh, so much of what the standardized American diet is consisted of, it's so much garbage. And when you clean up your diet and you just eat, you know, what I tell kids is, if you can kill it and cook it and eat it, or you can pull it off a plant and eat it, then that's what, then you're good. And if you can, you know, if it's a fresh water, I mean, outside of water, there ain't too much out there. Maybe if you're, if you're a slow gainer, milk, you know, you pull it straight from a cow and you drink it. I mean, that's your best supplement right there, you know. My mom's a lactation consultant, so I can say this on a podcast. Breast milk is probably the best thing that you can get 
obviously that's not socially acceptable at this point in time. But I'm willing to bet, and I don't do this, but I'm willing to bet that if you were eating beef, chicken, and fish, eating fruits and vegetables, and had a bottle of breast milk every day, your gains in the way, and we're we're squatting heavy, your gains would be astronomical. No, people aren't going to do that. So if you're drinking whole milk, um, and you're and you're a slow gainer. I mean, that's going to pay dividends down the line because you're getting everything that you need. Um, now, outside of that, let's say we, you know, because kids always want to know. Really, the only two supplements that I condone that I would that I would tell a kid or that I would have my son take is a quality whey protein and some creatine monohydrate. Um, and both of those things are things that you're finding naturally. Um, you know, creatine is abundant in animal protein, you know, steak and chicken and that sort of stuff, eggs. Uh, so it's not like you're putting something foreign into your body. But when you start getting into like the mass gain 3000 crap, I mean, there's so many additives in there and there's so much messing around. Uh, you know, the more a human being messes with what you're putting into your body, the more, the, the worse it is for you. The less you touch it, you know, the, the, the more stuff you put into your body, into your body that God made it that way, the better. And, and we've, and that's just evolution. Not to put God and evolution in the same sentence, but it's true. Uh, you know, if you're eating and if you're eating it, if you're killing an animal and eating it, or you're picking stuff off a plant and eating it, and you're drinking a ton of water, you're good to go. You know, so I don't get into the whole. I'm not into the pre-workout thing. As a matter of fact, I've had com- numerous conversations with our kids this year to lay off that stuff. Um, obviously, I'm not a proponent of any type of. Uh, you know, steroidal, anything like that, anything that's going to jack up your hormones, this stuff's not good for you, and you're not going to get where you need to get. Um, eat clean, work out hard, back squat as heavy as you can. That's that's the key. Um, do your explosive lifts like your cleans, and uh, it's going to come. I mean, it always works. I tell our kids, our program, it always works. If it ain't working, it's either because you ain't eating right, you ain't sleeping right, or you ain't lifting right. It's one of those three things. You get those dialed in, you're going to get bigger, you're going to get stronger, and you're going to get hungry to beat the crap out of McKinley Week 10. That's how we roll. You bring up heavy back squats a lot, and I love it. It's one of my favorite workouts, but I'm also a big proponent of deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Is that something you have the kids do, or is that something that it's a little more technical, takes a lot more one-on-one kind of to teach and make sure the form's right, that you don't do it, or uh, what do you do with that? Uh, no, it's, it, I, don't, I don't think it's more technical. Um, uh, deadlift is a great lift, um, and it's good to know how to deadlift, and we do deadlift. Uh, it's, I mean... You know, for example, the hang clean or the power clean is 200 times more technical than a deadlift. Um, 
and we do, we will do a deadlift more of an uh, more of an auxiliary an uh, auxiliary lift um, just to really hit our hamstrings and our glutes a little bit more. Um, but the reason why that's not one of my core lifts is because I prefer to get my deadlift motion more explosive. So we do that with the clean. Um, there is a little bit of a higher risk for a back injury when you're picking up heavier weights. And I don't really need you to pick a bar up off the, to pick something up off the floor slow. If you think about hip extension, in the game of football and in most sports that are ground-based, you're, you're not moving upwards in a slow motion. You want to move upwards in a fast motion. You want that hip extension to be explosive. So when, when we're training those muscles, I want to do it in a fast, fast movement, which is why we do cleans. We will do deadlifts. Um, to mitigate some of the lower back injuries, we'll generally use like a hex bar or something like that and do it a little bit more explosively. Um, we'll do some other lifts like a straight leg deadlift with dumbbells or a Romanian deadlift um, to hit those hamstr that posterior chain, the hamstrings and the glutes, um, just to make sure that we're not, because that's an important muscle. Um, but the reason why I harp on the squats so much is you know it's scientifically proven that the back squat generates more of a testosterone response than any other lift. So when you're doing full below back squats, you're really priming all your other lifts with that test. You know hormonal response and and weightlifting. People don't talk about this often, but the hormonal response is really where you're getting all your strength gains, especially at the age that we're talking about in high school. I mean, these kids are just, you know, they've got testosterone everywhere just because they're at that age where it's, it's, it's getting produced in mass production or whatever. Um, so in order to take advantage of that, you want to do more heavy back squats, get more testosterone. Then the nutrition comes in because you can have all the testosterone you want and you can lift as heavy as you want. But if you're not getting the proteins in your body and the carbohydrates to back those up, you're not going to see the gains. Um, but the back squat is, you know, I heard, I heard a strength coach say this once on a on a, like a seminar or something. He said, if you don't have back squats in your strength and conditioning program, you don't have a strength and conditioning program. And that's true. So if you're listening to this program and you're trying to get in shape and you want to look better and feel better and get stronger and you're not doing back squats – just go ahead and play another game of Fortnite because it ain't happening. All right, put the bar on your back, squat low, get some. It's gonna suck and it's gonna hurt. And start identif identifying with that, and you'll you'll be a better person. You'll be a better American. You'll be a better tiger. <laughs> All right, so I'm kind of kind of I'm gonna give like two different examples uh, just for you know people that might not be you know formally trained uh, in strength and conditioning. Um, but the general question for you to answer is, you know, how important is it to tailor what workouts you do, you know, towards what your end goal is? You know, if, if you're a football player, basketball player, if, if you're a swimmer, uh, marathon runner, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. uh, so first, first example, something I saw in the offseason on Twitter, actually, 
Hank, you, you probably remember this as well. Uh, there was a video of Adrian Peterson working out in the mm-hmm. offseason, and he did a treadmill workout where he ran something obnoxious, like like 10 miles or something. Yeah, You remember what I'm talking like about? Yeah. Some obnoxious workout where he ran like 10 miles, did off workouts, got back on the treadmill afterwards. And uh, Joe Thomas actually commented on it, explaining how – that might actually hurt him as an explosive football player because you're you're training the muscles in a different way or something like it, that. It, it was you're kind of you're taking away from training the fast twitch movement, like what you talked about earlier, like the hand clean. I think that was our main thing we did, and like what you said, you use the deadlift for to train that stuff more. Yeah, and then so a second example uh, to go along with this, um, people that would do lower weights, higher reps. Uh, how the way that you're setting up your workout, you know, how does that tailor into what your end result is? Um, Joe Thomas is 100% correct. Um, if a strength and conditioning coach told Adrian Peterson to run 10 miles, that strength and conditioning coach should be fired. <laughs> um, Everything that you do in a weight room, in an exercise setting, if you are a competitive athlete, should be specifically designed to make you better at your competitive endeavor, whatever that may be. Running 10 miles on a treadmill for an NFL football player, I don't even know if I have a word for it. It's ridiculous to be polite Um, on, on, on numerous levels. Number one, a football player should never be running 10 miles. The score can be 101 to six, and you're probably never going to run 10 miles in that football game. Even, you know, it's, it, it's not going to happen. That's the most basic level of it. If you get more scientific with it, um, it has been proven in numerous studies. I mean, this is pretty basic strength and conditioning. That the, that the longer that you run in a monostructural environment, meaning if you're doing one exercise like running, for a long period of time, Joe Thomas is correct, you're training muscular endurance and you're actually decreasing. If you do it, if you endurance train, now if you do it, if you just line up and run 10 miles, is it really going to affect you for that week or maybe for that month? Yes, but in the long run, no. But if you're doing it over and over and over again, your body is going to adapt to that stimulus and it's going to say, the only way that I can run 10 miles consistently or above is to make my body more efficient of utilizing oxygen, which is the exact opposite of a football player. The average football play is something like seven or eight seconds. And at no point in time in a seven or eight second exercise are you utilizing oxygen uptake. That's all anaerobic meaning you're using the the energy that is stored in your muscles. 
So a football player should be focused on short bursts of exercise, really intense. Um, if you're in a weight room, really heavy, short bursts. Not only so that you're training that short burst so that it's explosive and it's powerful, but also so that you're training your body to recover quicker, to do that again and again and again for multiple bouts throughout a long period of time like a football game. Um, the more you run long distances, the more your muscles will actually change. Now, you can have, you're, you're essentially born with a certain amount of fast twitch muscle fibers. Um, Usain Bolt was born with a vast amount of fast twitch muscle fibers. Okay, Jaden Ballard was born with a vast amount of fast twitch muscle fibers. If if I took Jaden and I said we're going to run three miles a day, or we're going to run twenty miles a week, eventually those fast twitch muscle fibers would start to shift into slow twitch muscle fibers because it needs to to be able to handle that load of running a long time. He's going to lose that power. He's not going to be able to jump as high. He's not going to be able to run as fast over time. The, the bad part about that is it's hard to get that back. You can turn a fast twitch muscle fiber into a slow twitch muscle fiber. You can't turn a slow twitch muscle fiber into a fast twitch muscle fiber. So certain people that are slow I mean, you can get them a little bit faster with form and technique and that sort of thing, but you're never gonna make you're never gonna make a Trayvon Morgan out of that. You know, you're never gonna make somebody super fast that has a bunch of slow twitch muscle fibers. Um, even though you can't make them a little bit faster. So Joe Thomas is correct. If you're a football player, you need to train for football. It's called you know it's called the theory of specificity. You need to train for what you're going to do. Um, so we take that into account, and you know, you know, most ground-based sports that are explosive, um, football, basketball, uh, those sorts of things, uh, track, it was the sprints and track anyway. You know, those things are, are all pretty similar in how you train in the weight room and how you do your conditioning. Um, swimming's different just because it's not ground-based. You know, so there's a lot more pulling going on in there. That's the only sport that really kind of throws a loop into things because you're not you're not pushing off of anything. You're driving, uh, but pretty much everything else is the same. You know, when you get into your longer like cross country and even soccer a little bit, you know, you need to be able to go for a long period of time. So you need to train that way. Uh, going back to your question about you know light weights and um, larger reps. Now there's a place for that. In football and in sports, um, to come at it from kind of a layman's perspective, uh, if you're really trying to gain weight, so if you want to get more muscle, you're born with a certain amount of muscle too. After about age, I don't know, eight or nine, you really start, you really stop developing two things. You really stop developing muscle cells and you stop developing fat cells. And you have those things for the, the rest of your life. Now they can get bigger or they can get smaller. So that's why I always warn people, if you got young kids, don't feed them a ton of sugar because those fat cells that are developing by eating all that sugar at a young age, you're never going to lose that. You, know, you can get them bigger and smaller, but they're going to have them. 
Um, also important why kids should be playing more, not sitting around p playing video games because the muscle tissue that's, that's developing then is what you're going to have for the rest of your life. Um, but when you do light reps or lightweight with high reps, you're really tearing down that muscle tissue, and that's how they when, when you when you rip apart a muscle, and then it repairs itself. That's how the muscle gets bigger, and that's how it adapts. That's why rest is so important uh, in between workouts. Um, but when you do those high reps, at, and when I say low weight, I don't like using the term low weight because when you're doing a set of 10 in the back squats, if it's easy and you rack it and you're having a conversation with your buddy about what happened Friday night on your eighth rep, you're not doing it right. It should be heavy weight for 10 reps, as heavy as you can go for 10 reps. And that's where you're going to see your gain. Now, obviously, your 10 rep max should be a lot lighter than your five rep max because of what it is, uh, basic physics. Um, so that's why they say lower reps, higher weight. But so generally in our strength and conditioning program, when we start an off season, uh, I'm gonna look at our team. I'm gonna see what we got. Uh, I'm gonna see what we need. Do we have guys that need to gain a little bit of weight? Then we're gonna spend a little bit more time doing high reps with, that, with, that, with, with what we can do for those high reps. If we got, if we like our size, and we got a lot of guys that are that are good, and you know, we don't really need to get that bigger. We just need to get stronger. Then we're going to focus on lower reps at really high weight, and that's what's going to get you stronger. So hypertrophy phase, high reps, obviously a lower weight. Strength phase is low reps at a really high weight, and then you start going into your explosion and your uh, power phase, which is just once you develop that big base of, okay, now I'm really big. Once I'm really big, I can get really strong. Once I'm really strong, now I can get really powerful. And we kind of move through that progression. And it's important to do it in that order too because a bigger muscle always has the capacity to be stronger than a smaller muscle. Now don't... You can have a smaller muscle and be stronger than a bigger guy, but the bigger guy always has more potential to be stronger than the smaller guy. The longer your cross-sectional area is of your muscle, the more potential you have to be stronger. So it's better to be bigger if you're looking for strength than it is to be smaller in that terms. So how you train and what you're doing um, catamount. You know, the theory of specificity is true. You got this big CrossFit movement going on, and I owned a CrossFit gym for a couple years, and I'm all about it, and I love it, and it's great for fitness. If you're just some Joe Smo that's not competitive or not looking to win a state title, then I recommend CrossFit. If you're a football player looking to beat the living tar out of a Bulldog Week 10, don't do CrossFit. It's it ain't gonna get you where you need to get. You need to be squatting heavy. You need to be cleaning heavy, and you need to work and you need to be working on the things that are gonna make you a better football player, not what's gonna make you a better CrossFitter. So to kind of tie into what you just mentioned, uh, every year at the NFL Combine, you know they they put players through you know different tests to grade you know their physical abilities. Mm -hmm. 
and you know teams are putting millions of dollars on the line with these decisions mm-hmm. they have to make when it comes to the bench press at the nfl combine seeing how many reps you can do at 225 <laughs> pounds is that a fair assessment to grade football strength no not at all not in my opinion um you know, is it a is it a fair test of strength and muscular endurance? Sure. Is it is is a guy that's going to bench press two twenty five for thirty five reps going to be better football player than a guy that only does it for twenty five? Probably not. D- if you're doing it for 32 reps and you're in the NFL Combine, does it really matter? Probably not. You know, um, I don't think it's a bad test. I think it's good to see that. I think that's. I mean, the bench press in general. If I'm being honest with everybody, um, I can think of at least 20 other exercises that are going to benefit my offensive and defensive linemen or anybody on the field for that matter than a bench press a back squat a power clean um a dumbbell bench press is going to be much more applicable to a football field than your standard bench press is now everybody does it and we do it and we're going to continue to do it um because kids like doing it and i like doing it and it's fun and it's still, you know, it, it's applicable. I mean, you need to be able to push. And you need to be able to be strong at pushing, especially in the game of football. You need to be able to punch and drive and hit um, with your hands. Um, so, it's, you know, it's a good lift to do. But, you know, I don't think there's a strength coach in the country that's going to say, that knows their, you know, that, that knows what they're doing. I don't think there's a strength coach in the country that's going to say, yeah. I'm making breaking our season on what our bench press numbers are. It's never going to happen. It's a fun lift. Kids enjoy doing it. Um, and that's why we do it. And it's good to have good pushing strength. But there's better things to do than, than that. So I don't put a lot of weight on that test. Um, obviously, there's a there's a plethora of other NFL combine things, your pro agility, um, your 40, um, your, shuttle, your shuttle times are just – huge um and then just you know what they're really looking at they're looking at the at the at the live drills they're looking at how how guys move in space they're looking at how well a person can push somebody off the line that really doesn't have a lot to do with bench press it has a lot to do with squatting and cleaning how explosive you are and you know and then there's the attitude factor which pretty much is catamount to everything and you're not getting a, you're not getting the attitude that i want doing a bench press you're getting the attitude that i want in that squat rack where life sucks and that's where you meet god in that squat rack and a heavy heavy set of grinding feeling like your head's gonna explode and you want to puke all over the place that's where i'm living get it Yeah, and uh, just to put a cap on the conversation, because we're going to kind of shift this a little bit here to get away from, you know, uh, to get away from uh, Strength and Conditioning 101. Mm -hmm. Um, Like you said, you know, I enjoy 
finding God in the squat rack. It's not a real it's not a real leg day until you're having a conversation with the big man upstairs. And um, what you said about wanting to puke, do you have the buckets back in the weight room yet? <laughs> no, we haven't yet. Um, but and that's mostly because we haven't had, I haven't had an off season yet. Um, we're gonna get some stuff like that going on, obviously, in this off season. Um, and I don't know that they haven't had they didn't have it last season. Like I said, I came in and those boys were rocking. You know, I didn't I wasn't walking into a situation where these guys looked like a bunch of turds and they weren't doing stuff right. I mean, I walked into a situation where these kids were on point. I mean, these kids were strong. These kids were grinding for a long period of time and it was showing. So I don't know if they have buckets in the off season, but if they didn't, there's probably there's there's probably a little something going on on the floor um, afterwards because because you know our strength staff and we have a legit one. Um, those guys have been on par since Coach Moore got back in town. I mean, he really turned things around and 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 got it back to the way, way it was. And I'm just fortunate enough to be able to come back and and fall into. Uh, this great opportunity to be a part of it. So, and for those of you that don't know, you know, uh, Dan's dad, Coach Stu, he mopped that weight room floor every morning, <laughs> and he had buckets <coughs> around that weight room for not if you threw up, but when you threw up. And God help you if you miss that bucket, you are mopping that weight room floor. <laughs> so shifting the conversation here, um, I know they asked you at the Bruce Club meeting. And I've never really seen you at a loss for words up until this point. But they asked you there, and I want to ask you here, uh, hoping you have a better answer ready to go. <laughs> What's it like to be back in Maslin? I figured it out, actually. This week, I figured it out. Because I've been thinking about that. Um, and the answer that I had at the Booster Club for all those that you weren't there was that I really didn't have an explanation i didn't really have a way to describe how it is to be back um at maslin in the position that i'm in that i've been working for working towards for the past uh, essentially 18 years but i finally figured it out and i figured it out this week because of how I felt. And getting the job back at Maslin, being in the weight room, being around Maslin kids, being the dean of students and the place that I love is exactly like McKinley Week. That's what it feels like. It feels like you're so incredibly excited to do what you know you've been born to do with an intense anxiousness, with an intense fear maybe, with this intense feeling of, man, I really got to perform. And and that's what it's been like. Uh, I, it's just so great being home. It's so great being here. But I know that the work's just starting. Like, I've worked this hard to get where I need to get. And now that I'm here, I know, one, that I'm ready. Two, that 
I'm going to love how bad it's going to hurt just trying to be just a fraction of what my dad was, just a fraction of what all those other masculine icons and great people, and not that I'm ever going to be that, but just the intense challenge of trying to live up to that. I'm just so incredibly excited to do it. And, um, you know, I was fortunate enough to fall into this situation where I got a child that I love. We got a brand new weight room. I was able to pick and choose what I wanted in that weight room, the equipment wise and stuff. We've got kids that anybody in there, any coach in the country would murder somebody to have. I mean, these kids just work their butts off. Um, the team that I'm working with, the football staff, the administrative staff at the high school, our superintendent, our board of education, um, you know, it's something that I've been praying over for the last 12 years and to see it finally come to fruition and to have it be what it is, (laughs) man, it's just amazing. And like I said, it's like McKinley Week. like you're, It's like Christmas and your birthday at the same time. But at the end of the day, you're like, yeah, you're here. But now you got to get underneath that squat rack and push some heavy weight. And you know how bad it's going to suck. You sit there for a minute and you kind of stare at the bar. And you're like, ah, do I really want to get underneath that thing? But then you do it and you're like, let's let's go. Let's make it happen. Let's do it. So it's just a, it's just a perfect situation. Um, you know, I'm a little bit nervous, but that's the beauty of it. That's where I thrive. I thrive in I thrive in the challenge. And I thrive in the adversity. So I'm ready to get some. And uh, like I said, if you can find somebody that's in a better position than me, or somebody says that they're happier than I am right now, I'll show you a liar because they ain't telling the truth. This is where it's at. Go Tigers. Follow-up question. Do you try to get people to run through a brick wall every time you talk, or does it just kind of happen? <laughs> no, I don't do that. I, I, or I, it's not my – well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about it. I'm passionate about everything that I do. And, you know, that I, I talk to kids all day. I talk to these kids at the high school – Unfortunately, with my position, a lot of these kids are troubled. A lot of these kids are coming from really hard situations, and they're not really sure how to deal with it. Um, and, and I talk to them all day, and, and one of the messages that I'm trying, there's a few things that I try and get across to our masculine youth. And probably the first underlying theme is anything that's worth anything in this life is worth struggling for is worth bleeding for, is worth hurting really bad for. And I can't think of anything in my life that is that I love. People throw that word around. And I don't like to throw that word around. But the things that I really, truly love, my family, this community, um, just masculine and the traditions that, that surround it, uh, strength and conditioning, uh, helping people get better. 
the things that I love require a vast amount of pain and suffering. Raising a kid is all about pain and suffering for somebody else. Being good at football and being a good football player and being a good team is all about pain and suffering for somebody else. Uh, the thing that I try and tell our kids on the football field as my role of a dean of students is the quicker that you realize that the more that you can deal with adversity and the more that you can suffer for the things that are important, the better your quality of life is going to be. And the second thing that I try and tell kids that is really along that same train of thought is that happiness is not the absence of pain. Happiness is the act of overcoming the act of overcoming challenges and adversity. And one thing that I bring home um, really to our football players and for anybody that will listen, youth and beyond that, is that any type of challenge that you get, whether it's a family situation, whether it's job-related, whether it's getting in the squat rack and lifting more weights, more weight than you've ever lifted, is that every one of those challenges, everything that comes with you on a day-to-day -day basis that you face is an opportunity for you to get better. This can directly be shown, and this is one of the reasons why I love strength and conditioning so much, is because this is directly shown through your body when you train to, to be better at something. You have to constantly be looking for the things that hurt, for the things that are hard, for the things that are difficult so that your body can adapt and be better. The way you view the world isn't any different. You can be the victim when bad something happens, when something bad happens. You can have that victim mentality and say, hey, you know what? This thing beat me down. This thing happened to me. And it wasn't fair. And why does this always happen to me? And you can be that that you can have that victim mentality and identify with that. And it's not going to get you or anybody around you any better. But when the same things happen, whether it's getting yelled at by your boss, getting disciplined by a principal, getting burnt on a big play in a football game, losing a football game, missing that rep in the squat. If you say, you know what? It happened. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to get a little bit pissed off because it happened. And I'm going to use all that to make me a little bit better to drive a little bit harder, to push yourself through that suck, and then the next time it's a little bit easier. And then the next time it's a little bit easier. And the more you keep driving, the better you are. And then when the little things happen, they happen to all of us every day, everything, the volume's kind of down, dialed down a little bit. Because you've been through that before. 
and you felt that suck and you keep driving and you keep getting better and that's what life's about it ain't about like i said before it ain't about the absence of pain it's about feeling that pain and then getting better from it and that's you know anybody that's a Maslin fan this year has probably seen our t-shirts that say warpath on it um and that was something that i started talking to our kids about when i first showed up I mean, we talked about that I think my first day. There was two things that I talked about my first day on the job. We went out and we were running 110-yard sprints. And I believe the first day that we did it, we did 14 of them. And our goal was to get to 20 by the end of the summer. And we did it. Um, But that first day, they were hurting a little bit because we did 14 110s. That's a lot, you know. And the kids were hurting. But they got done. And, you know, they they did a good job. They were working hard. It wasn't exactly where I wanted it to be, but they worked hard. And I could tell they were in great shape. But when I talked to them afterwards, I I brought up two things. I said, number one, we talked about pain and overcoming it and making better. And the other thing I talked about was beating McKinley. Um, But then that branched off into our mentality of the warpath. And, you know, when I say the term warpath, and I'm always kind of cognizant of this, and I know maybe it, it upsets a certain people, a, a certain amount of people might say, well, why are you talking about war? Why does Coach Stu always talk about war? And, you know, for the record, I am not comparing a football game or anything that we do to war or what our military personnel for this country are doing. I, you'd be hard-pressed to find somebody that's more supportive of our military um because those guys are just everything that it means to be american and i love them to death and i just couldn't be more appreciative of what they do for us um but with that being said if you're not preparing for life like you're preparing for a war you're asking to get kicked in the teeth and you're asking to lay down. I've seen some things in my time, you know. I've had a pretty good run at it in this life, and I haven't seen too much tragedy. I lost my father at a young age, which was catastrophic. You know, I was 25 when he passed. Probably the time where I, you know, I really needed to lean on him a little bit more, coming and becoming a man and that sort of stuff. Um, I lost a child not too long ago. That really struck home with me, and that was a tough situation. But in neither of those situations did I say to myself, man, why did this have to happen to me? That's because I've spent my life preparing for bad things to happen. Because that's what life is. Life is about pain, and life is about suffering, more importantly, life is about over, overcoming that stuff. And when I talk about the war path, if you don't think that life is a war, go down and spend six months in the NICU unit down at uh, Children's Hospital in Columbus like I did, where you see mothers watching their babies die every day. And I don't mean to bring this podcast down, but we're talking about life here. And we're talking about our mentality. And if you haven't seen somebody fight 
And if you haven't seen somebody live day to day like they're in a battle, go down and watch some of those babies. Go down and watch some of those moms that are dealing with it day in and day out and dealing with the things that they're dealing with. It's like a war and it's a battle. And if you're not prepared for that in life, it's going to kick you right in the mouth and you ain't going to get back up. And that's the thing that I tell our kids. And it's a much smaller scale. You know, we're playing football games. But a lot of our kids, they come from, from, from homes that ain't what I'm used to. You know, they ain't got dad around. Who knows what's going on with mom? Uh, people got issues. Um, and when I come in and I see our kids every day at Maslin dealing with those problems, and they really identify with that mentality. It ain't about the bad things that happen to you. It's about overcoming those bad things that happen to you. And that directly relates to our football program and what we're trying to teach these kids. 20 years from now, if we win a state championship, 20 years from now, if we beat McKinley, is it really going to matter to these kids? Eh, we're from Maslin's a little bit. But in the end game, it ain't gonna it ain't gonna help them put food on the table. It ain't gonna help them raise a family. It ain't gonna be help them be men of, you know, of our culture and be men of our society that are helping other people. What's gonna help them is the, the mentality that we're developing, that warpath mentality, that no matter what happens, we've got a goal. No matter what happens, we're working as a family. No matter what happens, we're gonna raise up. We're going to fight, and we're going to be ready for the war at the end of the war path. So to bring all that together, sorry to bring getting all you know kind of emotional and, and bringing things down a little notch there, but hey, that's what we're about. That's what I'm about. And one of my key roles, you know, as a strength and conditioning coach, you know, yeah, I want to make these kids stronger. Yeah, I want to make these kids more powerful. Yeah, I want to make these kids – put these kids in the best position to win a football game, to win 15 football games, and to do what we want to do. But my major role is to teach these kids the mentality it takes to be a part of a family and to be functional enough in that family to do the things that we want to do so that they can be great men, so they can come back and make Maslin better and make the world better. And have great lives because they know how to deal with adversity. And they know what it takes to be successful. And they know what you have to do to get into that level of suck. And work for things that you want. Work for things that are going to make your life better. And uh, hopefully I can just do that a little bit. And uh, I think this year it's kind of speaking for itself. Our kids are buying into that. And we're having a great season. And uh, we just got a great group of kids that are that are working and uh, doing what we're asking to do. So it's, you know, I'm fortunate. So there's my rant. <laughs> Good hell, Stu. Um, I hope people, everybody listening, just got a uh, just got a glimpse into why just now, in my opinion, this is the best hire Maslin's had since his father. And I wouldn't be me if I couldn't make a joke about something. It, I I can only assume brick wall sales are going to go through the roof right now. <laughs> Well, I appreciate I appreciate you. You know, like I said, I, you know, if I can just have a fraction of the impact that my old man had, 
um, that's a that's that's a it's a life well lived. So uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here, man. I'm just happy to be back home. Happy to get a chance to beat the crap out of McKinley on Saturday. It's awesome, and we're we're lucky to have you. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, so I, I don't really think there's any way to you know follow that up, and in an in an attempt not to embarrass myself, I'm just gonna you know transition out of it. Uh, but the one thing you did bring up is, is the warpath thing, uh, kind of getting away from that specifically. But that that was like a slogan, a design that you kind of came up with. Uh, for anybody that doesn't know, you know, Stu is a, a very good artist. He makes a lot of the designs. He made our design for the podcast. Uh, he's made, if I'm if I'm correct, a lot of the more recent designs and logos for for Maslin Attire the last couple of years. Um, so you also have a lot of shirts and stuff like that that you sell, mm-hmm. correct? Uh, where can fans find some of your work um, to check it out and you know buy some of your shirts and the other stuff that you have well uh, you can get all of our shirts down at Simon Says Promotions which is I don't know the exact address I probably should know that by now but it's right down on Lincoln Way across the street from Smiley's about one or two doors down from Bender's um, uh, it's JP's JP Simon's Store, we uh, are co-owners of Studer's Tiger Store, which is just pretty much just a design company um, where I do a lot of my design work, put them on T-shirts. Um, something, you know, another another aspect that I'm pretty passionate about. Obviously, I'm trying to carry on a little bit of my grandfather's legacy in that uh, he used to own the Tiger Store that was a couple blocks west of there. Um, which is no longer there, but obviously, uh, but you know, growing up, learned to draw, learned to found my passion for art through him. Uh, my father was also very artistic. A lot of people don't really know that, uh, but uh, so oh God, we spent countless hours just drawing stuff up. Um, and you know a lot of my motivation comes from my grandfather's old artwork Uh, a lot of the shirts that we do are really just renditions newer versions of his old t-shirts and his old signs so i get a kick out of doing that i'm the type of guy that doesn't like sitting around we talked a little bit about that off the air earlier so i spend a lot of my time if i find any downtime i usually got a in my hand and I'm drawing up something I like to draw with my kids my kids thankfully have took on to that a little bit as well Steven drew his first beaten my son Steven drew his first beaten bulldog this week proud dad moment um, but yeah so stop on down there um, we try to get the higher quality t-shirts um, we sell some cheaper, JP sells some cheaper stuff down there too, if you're on the whole economic plan, but, uh, cheaper price wise, not cheaper, quality wise, cheaper price wise. Um, yeah, maybe a little bit quality too. Yeah. The tiger store stuff yeah. is, is, you know, you pay a little bit more for it. Um, but my thing is if I'm going to put my design on a t-shirt, when you reach into your drawer 
in your t-shirt drawer and you got the option to pick up one of my t-shirts or one of the other t-shirts you got in there i don't want you to not pick up mine because it doesn't feel good i want you to pick up mine because it feel good and then when you put it on be like damn this thing looks good too so uh you know it's, it's just a passion of mine you know, I, I like that artwork. It's just kind of a way to express myself and express my love for the for the community, for the city, for our program. So, you know, if you're looking for a nice quality T-shirt, go downtown. Unfortunately, they're pretty hot right now, so you got to get down there when they're good. So if you see me post a design online, Instagram or Facebook or something like that, you better bust your butt down to the store because those things go quick can't keep them in stock but uh yeah so nice little shameless plug there for my <laughs> now, design uh, company <laughs> to continue the shameless plugs uh can you still order things off your own website the tiger store 55 or uh yeah well i got two websites i got uh tigerstore55.com and then i've got slob55.com unfortunately with my moving home and the demands of being a dean of student and a strength coach at uh, at the high school that our stock has been ridiculously low. I haven't updated anything. Usually I have our McKinley gear up there at least every year, but we haven't done any of that. So there's a few things on there that you can get, but if you really want anything new, at least until things settle down with my life, um, it's, it's, it's pretty much all older stuff on there, but feel free to check it out. Um, but all of our newer designs, you can, you can get downtown. Yeah, that's great. You know, and, and a little bit of anecdotal experience, you know, just all of my shirts that are, you know, stew designed, all the logos are kind of starting to wear off a little bit, just for being washed from being worn so much. So <laughs> it, it is a, a great quality t-shirt. You know, he doesn't skimp out it, everything fits great it's a slightly more athletic fit so you know if you're say of a larger body type you might want to pump up a size a little bit but everything's tremendous and if i can it one day get to a point where my entire t-shirt drawer is student clothing then you know i've i think that's a peak in life i i can go nowhere but down from there it's definitely one of the benefits of owning a t-shirt company is that every T-shirt I pull out of my dresser drawer I love, <laughs> but I'm a little biased. So, <laughs> all right. So, kind of pivoting away from T-shirts and uh, kind of getting into really the last thing I wanted to know: what, um, you know, not even like this year. You've already kind of explained what McKinley Week means to you now, but what's McKinley Week like to you in general? You know, like what do you think of when you think of this week? interesting question um you know mckinley week is the culmination of an incredible amount of work an incredible amount of just anticipation for getting to yeah, you know, just something that you've been dreaming about and looking forward to for such a long time. Um, and it's so rare. It's so rare in high school sports. It's rare in collegiate sports. It's 
probably even more rare in professional sports where you see this rivalry that is so ingrained in who you are and you're in the very fabric of your being um it's something that you know i've got a i've got a five-year-old son and all he's been talking about all week is mckinley beating mckinley beating the bulldogs he's at home drawing pictures of beat up bulldogs and that's all he wants to think about and that's all I've thought about since I was old enough to understand what it was and how important it is. And, you know, when you look at the grand scheme of things, like for our, our, our season right now, we're number one in, in, our, in, in the polls or whatever going into the playoffs. We've already solidified a home game. If this was an NFL game, we would probably wouldn't even play our starters. We would just put the kids out there and the kids that, you know, play the game and get them some reps and call it a day. And it wouldn't matter. We would still go to the playoffs. We'd probably still, I don't even know if we would drop in, in the rankings or not, but we'd still get a home game and then we would go on with the playoffs. But that is completely, utterly not the case. It's a season within a season. It means everything to beat McKinley. I can't imagine winning a state championship on a season where we lost to McKinley. I don't want to go out and say that I wouldn't want to win a state championship when we beat McKinley, but that would be a major blemish on the entire season. That's how much it means. Um, it's one of those situations where I hate Canton McKinley so much that I respect him. Um, the most disappointing thing about this season so far, coming into week 10, is that McKinley lost to Perry. Yeah. As ridiculous as that sounds. Yeah. When I found out last Friday night that they lost to Perry, I was beside myself. I was literally upset because I want nothing more out of this season at this point in time right now than to beat a 9-0 McKinley. That's what I wanted. That's what I was caring for. And I was so excited to have that opportunity. It is what it is. Okay, they're going to be eight and one. I'm going to take it. I don't want to beat them any less. I want to beat them wholeheartedly, and I want to beat them really, really bad. Um, and that's the way it should be. And at no point in time are we taking this team lightly. This is a very good McKinley team. They've got great skilled players. They are very well coached. I know that because I've worked with a few of the coaches on their staff and I respect very much so specifically Bedry Bartwell expect I, I mean I respect him to the utmost of coaches because I know firsthand coaching with him how good of a coach he is and I know that they're going to be prepared I know that those kids 
are going to play above their ability, just as our kids are, because that's the situation that it is. Um, and it's hard to put into words how much it means to be a Maslin Tiger and to have that masculine blood in you, to have that culture just ingrained in your soul going into the McKinley game, how awesome it is. And we talked about earlier about how it's like Christmas and it's like your birthday and it's like you're about to do something that you know is going to hurt really, really bad. You just can't wait to do it anyway. That's what McKinley games like. Um, and as much as I despise them, and as much as I can't stand them, as much as I hate walking a foot into Canton, I want them to be good. I want them to be competitive. I want them to be the best that they can be. Because the only thing that's more important than beating McKinley is to keep that rivalry at the status that it is. Is to keep it where you know when you line up week 10, you're going to get the best. And it doesn't matter what their record is. And it doesn't matter what our record is. We could be 8-1 and one going into this game. Vice versa. You're going to get the best competition that you've seen all year. And we've had some pretty good cats come in. We've had some good teams. These boys are going to, they're, they're going to be ready to play. Our boys are going to be ready to play. Everybody knows what it means. Our community knows what it means. Their community knows what it means. And that's why it's special. And that's why it's so amazing. And I just love the, our, our kids are dialed up. Our kids are practicing hard. Our kids are staying focused, which is a feat in itself. You got a lot of stuff going on. It's a crazy week. Everybody's feeling it. Our kids are dialed up. Their kids are going to be dialed up. It's going to be an it's, it's going to be an awesome day. I'm glad that we're at home. I'm glad that we're in the situation that we're in as a football team, as a family, and. Uh, Every minute that goes by, it's just like a year to me right now. Like, I just can't. I, f I feel like it's Friday. It's Wednesday. I just wanted to get here. Um, uh, I just want to get it on. It's just been a long time coming for me. So I'm super excited about it. And, uh, you know, other than that, I really don't know what to say. But, God, I love it. God, I can't wait to beat the crap out of them. Yeah, there's, you know, a lot of things I could follow up with that, but there's nothing I truly can follow up with that. So, you know, you you whole town's going to be there 9 and 0, 8 and 1. Should have been 9 and 0, but what happened happened. It's still going to be an electric atmosphere on Saturday. 2 p.m. kickoff rolls around. Neither one of those records matter. And it's going to be a slugfest. You know, like even thinking back, my dad's junior year, we it, 
it was uh, early in the playoff system. We came in, I think, 8-1, 8-0-1, ready to go to the playoffs. McKinley came in as an underdog and spoiled us. My dad's senior year, supposed to be good, got an injury-riddled team. McKinley comes in undefeated 9-0. My dad's team comes in, you know, 5-4, and going to get rolled over. Spoils them. Throw out the record books. It doesn't matter what you've done up until this point. Throw out weeks one through nine. That's a season gone by. It's the second season of Masson football. And I can't wait to watch the kids get after it. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And I, I, you know, you can't really say much more about that. It's just, it is what it is. Everybody's going to be in their A game. Everybody's going to be coming out to compete. Everybody's going to be ready to drive the other dude into the dirt as far as they can. And it's just amazing. And you don't find it too much in society anymore, that type of thing. And, you know, it brings our community together, just like football does in general. And that's amazing. And you've got all these people out in the, out in the world that want to look at us. They want to look at Stark County and they want to say things like, oh, yeah, no, they got football first and sports first and that sort of thing. But you don't, but this sort of stuff brings our community better, brings our community together better than any type of academics ever could. And I'm an, I'm an academic guy. I mean, I'm, I'm an assistant principal at high school and I believe in that stuff and it's important. But this sort of stuff brings us together as a community. Better than anything could. Better than anything that I've ever seen could. And, you know, that means something. And it means something to me. It means something to us. And I really don't care what anybody else thinks. But it's it's it's, it's an amazing time. It's a great time to be home. And uh, it's just going to be a great day. And if you're a Maslin fan and you're kind of thinking about going to the game and you're not sure, get your butt up, up and go out there. It's got, you know, they're calling for rain. Who cares? Get out there. Our kids feel that support. You know, our team feels it when you guys are out there cheering for us. I know you guys talked about this a little bit when Jar was on the podcast, but you guys have an effect on that game. And we always, the Maslin Cats always have a little bit of a better showing than the McKinley do. And that means something. We're at home. We got a great season. Come out and support us. Because it means it means the world to us, and uh, it just makes everything that much better. We want you to have a good time. We're gonna have a great time, and uh, man, am I excited for it! It's gonna be great. It's gonna be awesome. As much as I'd like to end on this really high note, you know, I you got me juice for the McKinley game. I think you got our entire audience juice for it. We still got to do what we do with our guests. Even though Rob had to leave, you know, personal stuff happens. This is just a side gig for us, you know. So we, let's, uh, well, we all want to beat McKinley. We all want to tear their heads off. Let's end on a little bit later note. You get some rapid fire questions. Let's get it, baby. Go to pump up song. Mm, I had the tiger. No question. No question. Favorite hobby? Hmm. Oh, drawing. <laughs> All right. Someone plays you in a movie about your life. Who plays you? Hmm. Good question. Vin Diesel. 
I see it. You, you and Kale just got tremendous actors right on deck. How do you drink your coffee? Ooh, that's 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 a toss up. Now I drink it black, mm-hmm. but I also get crazy, and I'll drink it with butter, peanut butter, unsweetened cocoa, and stevia. Sometimes I'll add a little bit of heavy whipping cream. Ooh. That's a nice twist on the, uh, what is the, uh, the bullet coffee? Oh, yeah. It's kind of like a bullet coffee. Yeah. It's a little concoction that I kind of adapted to myself. If I have access to some um, exogenous ketones, I'll throw that in there. Just Google it. We're not going to go down that path. But, I was going to yeah. say, that, that's a made-up word as far as a, <laughs> <in> my opinion. <laughs> your best feature. Oh. In your opinion. Um. I don't know. People tell me I look like my dad a lot, so I guess my face. That sounds good. That sounds, sounds good. extremely uh, narcissistic. No, you got to take a look at yourself. Sometimes, I have no you know? idea. My ability to lift heavy weight. That also good answer. Hmm. Also good answer. I don't know. Actually, yeah. what threw me off? I thought you were gonna go with your dad's coffee because you know you could always smell it on its breath. Yeah, you can smell it on mine too if you get close enough. The way, well, your dad he. When he wanted to talk to you, he put that big ass arm around you and just got right up in your face and talk like this. Yeah, yeah. caffeine is a drug, and I'm an addict. Yeah, you can. So, I mean, you can really is. smell the French vanilla creamer in his coffee. Yeah, but I kind of tend away from that. There's too many uh, refined carbohydrates. So <laughs> science has progressed. That's fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's see here. Oh, um, I asked this one to Jar, but I'm gonna flip it on its head. You're stranded on a desert island. Which coach on staff would you least like to bring with you? Least like to bring with me. Yeah. <laughs> We're taking shots here. Oh, I'm stranded on an island. Mm-hmm. It, you make your list, you know, top to bottom. I'm stranded on an island. Who's at the bottom? And this is like a fight for survival, right? Yeah. Deserted island. So the person that I least want on the island with me that on is, staff yes, would have to be Dan Hackenbrack. And the only reason why is because when it gets down to the nitty gritty mm-hmm. and I have to kill another human being to be able to eat, Dan Hackenbrack is probably the last one that I want to have to deal with. Because he's going to fight me to the death. Whereas the other guys, I feel pretty confident I can handle. Now, I can handle you, Hack, if you're listening. But it's not a fight that I'm willingly ready to take. It would have to be that of Craig McConnell, because he's just, I mean, he's just hes just nitpicky about everything. And uh, you might as well put me on a straight island with my, with my wife, because he's just going to. He's not going to let me do anything I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of ways I was expecting you to go with that answer. <laughs> Coach Hack was not one of them. <laughs> Fantastic. I love you, Hack. I love you even more, Coach McConnell. All right. There it is. Okay. Uh, last TV series you watched? Like, to completion? Yes. The last one? And I've got a few favorites. You Either 
list the, them off. No, the last the last one, not not pertaining, not necessarily the best, although it was pretty good. Was the uh, Ozark series on Netflix? If you haven't seen that yet, it just finished up season two. Phenomenal, you know. But if you're looking for the best, it's either Game of Thrones or Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy is up there high because it's all about team and family all and right. dealing with adversity. So if you haven't seen that, there's like seven seasons. It's amazing. Shout out to Kurt Sutter for writing that bad boy. I like it. Still turning the answer into a coaching thing. Pretty solid. <laughs> sure. Uh, to go with a couple of Rob classics. Um, if you could either have, if you either had to wear a shirt two sizes too big or one size too small for the rest of your life, which would you go with? Oh, one size too small, baby. You got to bring the guns out when the sun's out. I mean, you know, you don't do all that work in the weight room. Just kind of conceal it, right? That is the answer I expect from a man that works out. <laughs> <laughs> all right. How many chickens would it take to beat up an elephant? How many chickens would it take to beat up an, all of them? All of them. <laughs> Great answer. I know. That's the best I got. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> it's a team effort. Team effort. It's a team effort. It takes all of them to win a state championship. It takes all of them to, to, beat, a, to beat an elephant. All right, Coach. We're trying to get to know you as a person, not as a coach. <laughs> You can't separate the two. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> all right. Um, besides the heavy back squat and all squat variations, what's your favorite lift? Uh, outside of the back squat is probably the power clean. You know, if you develop the strength with the back squat, that's most important. That's still close to squat variation. Well, not if you're sinking down. It's the exact opposite. The squat's a push. The clean's a pull. You got me there. You got me there. Right. I know. <laughs> Damn. All right. If you could only eat one type of food for the rest of your life, what would it be? If I'm focused on longevity, it's steak. If I'm focused on pleasure, it's Krause's Pizza Double Crust with Pepperoni. Uh, that was two questions with one stone right there. No, well, I mean, it is what it is. And really... So if I had to pick one, it would be steak. And really, because both solid answers. I've got I've got a long way to go. Now, this uh, is... I'm not done. This is type of food, not like specific food. So, no. say breakfast food was a solid answer. Oh, so, I gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I gotcha. Yeah. It's still steak. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Scurvy's going to be a bitch, but that steak is going to be great. Is protein an answer? Yeah. <laughs> of course, you need your fats, too. Yeah. Got to go with steak. It's a solid combination of uh, of of protein and steak. And you can just deal without carbohydrates. Solid combination of protein and steak. Oh, yeah. There's plenty. Or yeah. protein and fat. Sorry. There we go. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm, I'm, I'm about 95% certain that you can live off steak and water. Yeah. That checks out. I've, I've got a online master's degree in dietary nutrition for human beings. Yeah, steak and water. Yeah. Steak and water. I, I think I did my thesis on that. Sure. Yep. Sure. Coming around the home stretch here. The conspiracy theory that you want to be real. You know, maybe one that, you know, you like it, 
It doesn't necessarily check out when you roll through the logic of it, but you want it to be real. So, so you're saying one, you know, you know, you think it's probably not true, but you just want it to be real. Yeah. So yeah. all you're saying, like your favorite one. What? Know. Oh, what is the conspiracy theory? Theory. Yes. That I want to be real. Yes. You know, anywhere between, say, you want Area 51 to be real, between jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams, between even something as simple as deflate gate. You know? Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. These are rapid fires, Stu. What do you got? God bless it. That's a rough one. Uh, I'm almost at a loss here. Uh, the The conspiracy theory... That I want to be real. Man, am I drawing the blank. All right. Uh, I can simplify it a little bit. <laughs> That's a great question that I want to answer. <laughs> well, hey, next time we have you on, you can answer it. How about the conspiracy, th- your favorite conspiracy theory? <sighs> I just I just don't know that I'm really that in tuned. Oh. I see it. Well, see it. Uh, Here's the thing. Yeah. Is it, it it could be considered conspiracy theory, but I believe it to be true. Let's hear it. It's the lizard man. Oh god. Of Lee County. Trucks, we're going to have to have you on to just explain this one because I'm tired of all the coaches coming in here and talking about this guy. Bishopsville, South Carolina. There's a lizard man. That eats the chrome off bumpers. It's known to eat small children and dogs as well. You don't want to be wandering around in the woods down there because the lizard man will get you. (laughs) (laughs) The lizard man will get you. All right. So last but not least question. What sound does the lizard man make? I want to say... The lizard man makes a sound that is a kind of a combination between a lion roar, a pig squeal, and a burp. (laughs) (laughs) Now, when I asked this question, I didn't think I was going to need a descriptor, but that is pretty good. (laughs) Can you imitate said sound? Negative. Yeah. It's not. It's it's, it's 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 just beyond the capacity of human vocal cords. Yeah, that's a good it's answer. It's the lizard too. man. That's a good answer. He's the chrome of bumpers. Hey man, <laughs> what he does in his free time is none of my business. <laughs> so that, I, that wraps it up for the rapid fire questions. You know, um, on behalf of Rob and myself, glad to have you here. Loved it. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, it was my pleasure being on, man. I've been excited to be on a podcast. Uh, finally got an opportunity to do it, and I look forward to coming back on very, very soon. So. And like I said off air, you know, you said you were busy. I thought you were too busy. I was wrong. Welcome back anytime. And uh, until then, go Tigers. Beat McKinley. Oh, beat McKinley, baby. Beat them bloody. <laughs>